When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now the final category. Here are the 10 nominees for best motion picture of the year. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? You're not interested in art? No. Now look, we're going to do this thing. We're going to have a conversation. From Chicago, this is Film Spotting. I'm Josh Larson. And I'm Adam Kempinar here with you. Recording bright and early in the morning, Josh, our first ever reaction shot podcast. We're going to give you our quick reactions to the Oscar nominations. I can't remember the last time I actually got up and watched the Oscar nominations. Usually they're just filtering in via Twitter over the course of the morning. I did actually pay attention, made a few mental notes, and we're going to share our five takeaways. I wonder how many of them we have in common. I'm sure we'll have a couple, but yeah, I wanted to hear how you felt about doing this. Uh, I haven't done it this way in a couple of years, but it used to be an annual thing, getting up early, having to, you know, for the newspaper, do something. It's kind of fun. It's kind of exciting, right? I know you're a bit, you know, not quite as into the Oscars maybe Mm -hmm. as me, but I don't know. I kind of like getting in early and being part of the conversation. You doing okay this early? I'm doing okay. It was a lot to try to cram in just when you thought you had your ideas down, something new crept in, but let's see how it goes. Let's do it. Let's see what people think. Okay. So we did decide in the parlance of film spotting that we would come up with our top five quick takeaways from the Oscar nominations. Go ahead. Kick it off, Josh. You're number five. My number five is Hollywood's message here to moviegoers overall seems to be get your butts in theaters. I was surprised that a couple of big screen experiences were rewarded with some of the biggest nominations. So if you look at the best picture category, I just revisited Top Gun Maverick a couple days ago and, you know, still liked it, (laughs) was kind of, you know, iffy on how much nostalgia is there. Honestly, didn't think it would get a best picture. I thought, okay, I can see in some other categories, it's probably going to get a nomination. But the best picture nom came its way. I was very surprised to see Avatar, The Way of Water, get a best picture nomination as well. And those are two films that that's one of the first couple of things people said about them is, well, you got to see it in a theater, right? That that was part of the whole mm. conversation. And even if you look beyond those two, Everything Everywhere All at Once, another Best Picture nominee, and Elvis, I would say, too, you could describe as big screen and maybe in the case of those particularly communal experiences. Seeing Everything Everywhere All at Once with a packed theater 
was one of the movie highlights of the year. And so that's one takeaway I saw in some of these larger nominations is Hollywood is recognizing those movies that dared to be movies in 2022. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I suppose I feel a little bit left out that those two big movies in particular, you mentioned, I agree, I had a wonderful theatrical experience with everything everywhere all at once. But I was a little down on both Top Gun Maverick relative to the rest of the populace and Avatar Way of Water. So I didn't have those joyous theatrical experiences that so many people did. Yeah, you're still recovering from Way of Water, so I I don't expect you to be too excited about that one. In terms of some of my takeaways, I'm probably going to focus a little bit more on positives here than negatives. And what I mean is, are there choices in some categories that make me shake my head a bit? Of course, that happens every year, but that's more about taste than anything else. So I'm not going to focus on those, especially when we're going to do a show later as we get closer to the Oscars where we'll suggest what should have been nominated and we'll remove something at that time. A nomination I'm extremely excited about, though. My first takeaway, I'm calling it Support the Causeway. I was in early on Brian Tyree Henry, and that performance in particular was among my top five nominees for Best Supporting Actor on my Chicago Film Critics Association ballot. I think a lot of people recognize him as one of our best actors, and when he appears on screen in anything, we're happier and we're better off for it. His first nomination, I think he's going to get many more over the course of his career. And I know this is a film, Josh, that, or I believe this is a film, Josh, that you still haven't caught up with. A lot of people miss this movie, just played on Apple TV, I think. One benefit of this nomination is that people like you and a lot of others out there who have maybe slept on this little film are now going to be rewarded. You know how it happens this time of year. There's always homework to do. We both have some homework to do beyond Causeway for you. And sometimes we dread it a little bit. It might be the subject matter. It might be just that, oh, it's that Oscar-nominated thing, the prestige thing. I feel like I have to watch, but I've avoided it this long for a reason. Well, Causeway isn't one of those films. That's not something you have to worry about, Josh. You're actually going to get to spend time with not only Brian Tyree Henry's character in his performance, but Jennifer Lawrence as well. Didn't get a nomination, but was among my favorite performances by an actress this year. So I'm excited for people like you who are going to get to see this movie finally and see what a great performance this was. Yeah, you did talk both of them up when we did our Chicago Film Critics Ballot show, and I haven't seen Causeway since then. So now I feel doubly bad about that. We'll definitely catch up with it. Uh, Your note about, you know, positivity, I think that is helpful. I agree There are snubs to my mind, too. Maybe we'll touch on those down the road. But I always have to remind myself that, you know, if if I if anyone is a fairly serious cinephile, never go into the Oscars expecting your tastes or your favorites to be validated. That is not what this that is not what this body is about. They are looking for different things. So I agree with you. I tend to try to look for the silver linings when these nominations come out now. Speaking of homework that we have to do, my second takeaway, I guess I'm going to be watching All Quiet on the Western Front. Every yes, year, are. every year there is a Best Picture nominee, at least one that I haven't seen. And this is it. 
I've got all the others covered, but this is the one I do have to catch up with. You are a huge fan of this, Adam. I'm trying to remember, Mm -hmm. would this, if you saw this before we did our top 10 of the year show, or if you caught up with afterwards, and if you caught up with it afterwards, do you think it would have cracked that list for you? Because I know you're very high on it. I'm very high on it. It would not have made my top 10. At this point, I haven't seen anything that would change my top 10. And I have seen a few things since we recorded that show. And I've seen some really good things since we recorded that show. It would be somewhere, though, in that top 15 to 20. I haven't ranked beyond the top 10. The impetus for me to watch it really was preparing for the rap party. It was two things. Preparing for the rap party and seeing a few people on social media mention it for the category that I ended up choosing it for, which was best opening scene. That was a spark. But then also seeing the Oscar shortlist that came out a while back. I don't remember how many categories it exactly is, but some of those technical categories, Josh, you know, they release the 10 or 15 movies, whatever, that are eligible in some categories. And All Quiet on the Western Front, I think, led the way with maybe eight of those nominations. So I knew then that, or at least it was on the shortlist. So I knew that the hype was for real, at least in terms of it getting almost surely some actual Oscar nominations. And I knew I had to finally see it. And that's really what drove me to do it. So you were probably less surprised than I was to see as these nominations roll out. All Mm -hmm. Quiet on the Western Front just kept getting mentioned. As a matter of fact, it is tied with Banshees of Inisherin for the second most nominations. Those two two movies have nine. Leading with all nominations is Everything Everywhere All at Once. It received 11 nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director, and then three acting nods. So, yeah, going back to All Quiet on the Western Front, I'm going to probably dial that one up next. It'll be the next film. I watch, um, as I said at our live show, The Rap Party Adam, I haven't read the book it's based on. I haven't seen the previous versions. There's no time for that now. (laughs) I've got got to get into, for for a video essay I'm making for the day job, I've got to get into all the Best Picture nominees, so I need to watch this latest All Quiet on the Western Front right away. So between those two, even though I might, and I haven't thought about it, I might rank All Quiet on the Western Front higher than Causeway in terms of my end-of-the-year rankings— if I was you, I'd be doing everything I could to watch Causeway before All Quiet on the Western Front. Because remember how I was saying it's such a pleasure to watch that film, even though it's dealing with some serious subject matter and just spend time with those characters. All Quiet on the Western Front is as harrowing as you might imagine it to be. Yeah. It's pretty bleak, and Josh. pushing but three hours, it. too, right? Oh, I, I don't think it's quite that long. Okay. No, All right. No. I, I feel like it's under two and a half. Okay. For sure. So... You will be rewarded for that one as well. At least I think you will. My next takeaway here in at number four is supporting actress success in parentheses mostly. I love these nominations. Angela Bassett for Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow the Whale, Carrie Condon, the Banshees of Inisherin, and then the two supporting actress nominees for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Hsu. Here we're seeing four of my five nominees on my CFCA ballot. I had only left out Bassett, but it also really strongly considered her. Here's where, and this is going to transition. I'll save a little bit of it now. It's going to transition into my next takeaway. But here we do get some representation from the Academy in recognizing both Hong Chow and Stephanie Hsu. And I'll specifically mention Chow for The Whale. That was my favorite 
Supporting Actress Performance of the Year. I thought she was likely to get it, but you never know with these things, Josh, and some of the ones that you think are locks sometimes don't manifest themselves. So overall, I look at that category. I'll mention a couple names in a moment that maybe could have been there and maybe would have overall helped the Academy as we consider these nominations this morning. But overall, I think that category is really strong. Yeah, I was glad to see Hong Chao on there as well. Uh, some of the other slots I might have had other choices, which maybe we'll get to down the line with our Oscar preview show. But let's pause here and take a step back from the positivity and silver linings. And I want to acknowledge with you, you know, the Academy has made, I think, progress in recent years in terms of diversity and representation and definitely feels like this is a year where that's stalled. Um, if you look at some of the other categories, no nominees of color in Best Actor, and then take a look at the Best Director nominees, not a single woman. And that's even even look beyond that, Daniel Kwan, one half of the Daniels, the only nominee of color as far as I know. And so that's disappointing, especially when the thing you have to do also when this conversation comes up is say, okay, well, what, who would you have put in those spots? And Mm -hmm. we won't get into all of that now again for another show. But if you looked over at top 10 lists from various critics from 2022, there are just a ton of diverse options that were out there in the best of cinema last year. So I think that is also why it stands out as a, a particular failure for these nominations. Yeah, and maybe I'll jump in there, Josh, since you transitioned nicely. That is my next takeaway. The struggle for diversity and representation continues. And I acknowledge it as a struggle because it's something the Academy seems to be failing at, but also because of what you mentioned, that we can recognize it as something we all want and is certainly a good thing. But then when you actually get into those picks – which are the ones that you want in and which are the ones that you want out? Robert Daniels, the great Chicago critic here, said another year, Halle Berry is still the only black woman who's won Best Actress. Selma is still the only film directed by a black woman to be nominated for Best Picture. A black director has never won Best Director and a black woman has never been nominated for Best Director. And then he also tweeted about seeing that Gina Prince-Bythewood didn't get nominated for Best Director for The Woman King and San Omer. And Alice Diop missed out as well for Best International Feature. I wish I was higher on Gina Prince-Bythewood's The Woman King. It wouldn't have been in contention for me. I wish I was a lot higher on Sarah Pauly's Women Talking. You know, that's a, a huge disappointment for me, considering how much I respect Sarah Pauly's work. Those wouldn't really have been in the mix for me, and I wouldn't have nominated Viola Davis either. Josh, for me, the most likely candidates, especially from The Woman King, would have been Tusu Mbedu, either a supporting actress. I understand why she's supporting to Viola Davis, but I think she is the protagonist. I think she's the main character of The Woman King. I think Lashana Lynch would have been a great candidate for Best Supporting Actress as well from The Woman King. I will acknowledge that Sam mentioned this to me, our producer via Slack, that it does seem that Michelle Yeoh is the first Asian woman to be nominated for Best Actress. So that is one of those things that we can recognize as a positive, even though it may be insane (laughs) that it's taken this long. I want to jump back to Sarah Pauly, and and I'm with you as much as we both liked her previous films quite a bit. (laughs) We were we're big fans. I think we were both left a little 
a little let down by women talking. But here's the point in the context of this conversation, even if we both might not have argued for it, when you see women talking get, and I believe, a best adapted screenplay. Best adapted and, and yeah, best, best picture. picture mm-hmm. How that same body, and I know the voting is different when it comes to best picture, it's open to the entire Academy to vote, whereas I believe Best Director is only voted on by director members of the Academy. So I know that sometimes skews things. But even so, when the movie is being recognized that way, it is especially glaring that there is a woman director there whose film is being represented and yet her work is not. So that's that's a little frustrating as well. A little A little strange, no matter how you feel about women talking itself. Yeah, one of the things we try to do here whenever we talk about the Oscars is recognize that there are always films or performances or production elements that we wish had gotten more recognition, but that were never really realistic. So how much can we bemoan them? Right. I don't know that we really thought After Sun and Charlotte Wells would get much attention from the Oscars, but our joint film of the year. And of course, if it was me who could just magically snap my fingers and make certain nominations a reality, clearly I would have had Charlotte Wells in there for best director. I'm going to go to another takeaway for me. That's uh, maybe the positive spin on that. Cause obviously I agree with you about Charlotte Wells and after sun, but Hey, after sun is being represented. This mm-hmm. is, this is the silver lining thing, right? I went into this thinking, maybe I know there'd been some talk about Paul Mescal for best actor. Maybe that would happen, but I'm not, I'm not counting on it. After sun is huge. I mean, it's the bright spot of the film spotting world in 2022, but I recognize yeah. that's not the case in other circles, even though many other critics liked it a lot. So I was just hoping for that. So glad to see that Paul Mescal did get the nomination. Now, is he likely to win? Well, he's up against Colin Farrell for Banshees of Inisherin, Austin Butler for Elvis, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, and Bill Nye for Living. So I would say at this point, not likely, unless no. there's there's a, you know, a huge campaign that begins. But I do love that he's being honored, as you said, our shared number one film, winner of our Golden Brick Award. Um, the movie's going to get a lot more attention now. And that's That's what I want out of the Oscars is Mm -hmm. every year there are a couple of films, a couple of performers whose stature is elevated by the exposure the nominations provide. And I'm thrilled that that's happening in this way for After Sun. You know, I want you to know that you can talk to me about anything. Whenever parties you go to, boys you meet, drugs you take. Dad! Oh my God, what even is that? These are my moves. Yeah, that was actually my top takeaway. Remember when I saw Paul Meskel play Stanley Kowalski in Streetcar in a little London theater a few weeks ago? Make that Oscar nominee. There you go. Paul Meskel, who I saw. And I'm on such a Meskel kick these days. Anyway, just thinking about seeing him on stage and how good he was. Of course, this performance in After Sun has been very top of mind for us at the end of the year and even into our rap party when we talked about some scenes from After Sun. And I just went back and started watching Normal People, the series on Hulu, which is so good. And he's so good in it. And of course, then the news coming out that he's going to be in Richard Linklater's Merrily We Roll Along, which is going to be filmed over decades. Everything seems to be coming up Paul Meskel. And it all just seems so legitimate. Like this is an actor who 
takes his craft seriously, who can do just about anything, and who I can't wait to see more from. What a what a boost this should be in theory in terms of him being able to pick whatever projects he wants to do. And sorry if you if you mentioned this and I missed it, but God's Creatures, another film we liked yes, from last you're year. Right. He's it's a co star. Yeah, co star um with Emily Watson, directed by Celia Davis and Anna Rose Homer. So he's excellent in God's Creatures, another smaller film that might get some more attention if people are going to start working back through his filmography now. Yeah, so my final takeaway here, a positive and a negative tied to the best international features of 2022. Natu Natu, our music moment of the year, got love from the Academy. Not really a surprise. I did think it was coming based on whatever prognostications I'd seen, but that sequence is obviously incredible. And I am thrilled for the film and everyone involved that it got nominated. It might also lead to, of course, or should lead to more people discovering that film. If they perform it, if they have to perform not to not to live, what will that be like? You know, you think about yeah. the, the Beatles at some point stopped playing music live because they just wanted to tinker around and do really intricate, amazing things in the studio. Now, obviously, those incredible actors and that entire ensemble, all those extras who had to perform it, they really did perform it, but it's a feat of movie magic too, right? All that editing and the camera work there to make not to not to what it is, not just the song, but the entire performance. What will that be like translated to the stage? <laughs> Probably not quite the spectacle that it is on the screen, but I think it will still be great fun to watch. Hopefully we will get to see that performance on the stage. Should RRR have also been nominated for Best International Feature? Hell, I think it should have been nominated for Best Picture, but somehow India didn't even submit it as its official nomination. That went to last film show. And then you add in Decision to Leave, yes. or Chinook's film, made both of our top tens. That also being left out of the international feature finalists was a tough one. And I want to say, I'm glad All Quiet on the Western Front is there. I'm glad Close is there. My number six film of the year represents Belgium. I do really want to see The Quiet Girl in Argentina 1985 and plan to watch them both before the end of the year. And I do have a lot of respect for the artistic achievement that is EO from Poland. So it's not like I can sit here and say, I think the category's a debacle, but I wish RRR had been eligible. And I can't comprehend overlooking decision to leave. And thinking about RRR too, it does fit into our my, the point I made about theatrical big screen experiences. You know, I obviously RRR also had a very popular life on Netflix, right? That's where it was available. But you heard about the people who managed to see it in a theater with a crowd mm -hmm. and their so reports. Jealous. Yes, their reports rivaled reports of everything everywhere all at once. So RRR is another opportunity where the Academy could have, you know, gotten behind a movie that was big, popular, critically approved, and also fit into this, this messaging they seem to be giving about the importance of the theatrical experience. I had one more takeaway, Adam. I don't know if you, I think you said you had shared your last one. Should I go yep. ahead and roll with this? You've heard my five. I think it's interesting that Pixar 
is probably going to have its toughest competition in years for animated feature. They've got Turning Red, which I liked quite a bit. Didn't make my top 10. Two of the other nominees did. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio and Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. I can easily see one of those two taking out Turning Red and actually getting the win. The other nominees in the animated feature category, The Sea Beast, which was pretty good, and Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which apparently is pretty great from what yeah, I've been seeing apparently. on Letterboxd and on social media. You know I'm a Shrek defender, Adam, so I might I might have to get to Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. But yeah, otherwise, incredibly strong category there, the animated feature category this year. Dropping my son Quinn off at school this morning, also a Shrek defender, Josh, he was so happy to hear Puss in Boots nice. get a nomination. He <laughs> says it's great. So there you go. A couple bonus takeaways. You acknowledged your homework. I need to see Living, not only that nomination for Bill Nye, but also Kazuo Ishiguro getting a Best Adapted Screenplay nomination that's adapted from Akiru, the Kurosawa film. We're both fans of that, and I look forward to seeing this one. This is one that doesn't feel like homework for me either, just like I suggested Causeway shouldn't feel that way for you. To Leslie is also a big story here, right? And Andrea Roseborough. You probably saw it, or maybe you were off Twitter more than I was a weekend or so ago, where you started seeing all these actors sort of in unison and other industry people coming out with this campaign, a legitimate campaign to get recognition for Riseboro, who is wonderful in everything you see her in. We saw her in Amsterdam earlier this year as well, the David O. Russell film in a supporting turn. The film has been on my radar just at the end of the year, prepping for what performances stood out for a lot of people, what films maybe were in contention for top 10. I saw it sneak in, maybe not on any top 10 list, Josh, but I certainly saw it in some of those Oscar prognostications where people are saying, this is one of the better performances of the year. People are overlooking it. I never got to it. And I guess now I'm going to have to. Looks like the campaign worked on Oscar voters, at least. Yeah, I need to get to that one, too. Finally, I do want to say I was really happy to see the editing nomination for Tar, Monica Villi. And really just for this reason, we all do it. Voters in these technical categories are really susceptible to this. Even I, who try not to be, often find my instincts going that direction where you think about it as, Best editing means most editing. And I'm good with these nominations, but certainly Elvis fits the bill. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Top Gun Maverick. These are intricate, frenetic, often films. So they make sense. They pass the eyeball test for this category. But then you see movies like The Banshees of Inisherin and Tar. And maybe they don't initially seem like they should be candidates in this category. They might even seem fairly conventional, except then you think back on Tar and the rhythms of that film and the assortment of shots and the way that film is structured to have that kind of, I'll say the word I think I used back when we talked about it on the top 10 show, this kind of oppressive feeling that it gives you. The cinematography is a huge part of that, but the editing is hand in hand with it. And I think that 
there aren't any sequences in that film. There's not any one sequence I think someone would point to and be like, oh, wow, look at the incredible editing, the pace of the editing. It doesn't have those kind of sequences like some of those other films I mentioned do. But just from start to finish, <laughs> being this incredibly polished work and something that I do think is visually stunning, I was excited to see Monica Villi get that nomination. Austrian editor worked a ton with Michael Hanukkah on Amour, on Time of the Wolf, on The White Ribbon, The Piano Teacher, but her first Oscar nomination. Yeah, and in the case of Tar, I think of that as a movie with very sustained, not always lengthy, but often lengthy sequences. And mm -hmm. editing in that context is, you're right, it's not about how much is done, how quickly, how many times we're jumping from one thing to the next, but knowing when is the judicious That's time right. to make that cut, as it were, or to hold the camera longer. Mm -hmm. It's a different approach to editing, but just as crucial of an approach, I'd agree. I think that closes out this reaction shot. We are reacting so quickly. By the time we post it, we'll have seen so much more discourse. We'll probably identify 17 things we should have talked about. <laughs> That's probably true, but we got to move on. We've got, we're looking ahead to 2023 in our next show That's coming right. out later this week with our, our movie preview. So yeah, one half of our brain is back in 2022. The other is moving ahead. Thanks for listening, everyone. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Film Spotting is listener supported. Join the Film Spotting family at filmspottingfamily.com and get access to ad free episodes, monthly bonus shows, our weekly newsletter, and for the first time, all in one place, the entire Film Spotting archive going back to 2005. That's at filmspottingfamily.com.